Light beer, dark money. Agree on something. Politics, culture, and the intersection of faith, freedom, and free enterprise. And now, live from the Star Worldwide Network Studios, here are your hosts, Light Beer, Chris Clements, and Dark Money, Sean Noble. Welcome back to another episode of Light Beer, Dark Money. I'm Sean Noble. And I have returned as Chris Clements. There you go. You did <clears> such <throat> a great job while I was away, Sean. I don't know about that. But Especially on the fitness stuff. You I, like that I, I listened to that yesterday, and uh, that was fantastic. Yeah, well, it was really good. I, I didn't feel that great about it. But we'll, no, go, we'll, we'll do great. some more of it over it time. Was... You know, We're adding, like I said in the podcast, it's faith, freedom, free enterprise, faith, faith Freedom, free enterprise, free enterprise. And, and fitness. fitness. But we're not going to talk about fitness today. Well, I mean, unless you want to. We've got Scott Muse here from the Arizona Free Enterprise Club, speaking of free enterprise. Yes. <clears throat> They're, and fitness fits because they are working to keep our economy fit. And moving. <laughs> <laughs> and not imploding. Yeah. You've got a lot to work on. And not on the that, subject right? of, uh, oh, whatever Katie Hobbs you know, decides yeah. in the yeah. morning. Scott, welcome back. We, uh, it's been over a year since we've had you, and so it's, uh, we feel honored to have oh, you here. Well, thanks for having me here. Having yeah. me back. No, it's great to have I you. Didn't scare you off. No. <laughs> well, likewise. Right? No, and congratulations on, I think, what was a great year for your organization, Arizona Free Enterprise, Free Enterprise Club. Um, you guys, from a grassroots perspective, really performed well. And, uh, I mean, you're keeping Arizona from going off the rails. In terms of economic development, in terms of regulatory overreach, um, become one of the most effective organizations, I think, grassroots organizations in the state. No, well, well, thanks, Chris. Yeah, no, it was it was a pretty wild year. Um, you know, you know, a lot of you know, there were some downs, but I think way more ups um, from our perspective on things that we were able to accomplish as an organization. I'm proud of the growth we've had. Uh, helping to not only grow grassroots but coalition develop here in the state. Um, one of the things that we're really passionate about is this isn't about any one election or one group that um, this is a movement we want to make sure that we have the best state that we can possibly have we want to we want a free we want a state where you're free we want to keep az free and that's our mentality and mindset and um, through that process now we have you know through our grassroots organizations at the club we have over 13,000 people active Um, it's growing every day Um, that's incredible and so we're doing that and you know, we're, we're, and we're willing to get into the big fights and, and do some of the big issues. And so, you know, between, you know, it feels like I've filed more lawsuits or our organization's filed more lawsuits in the last year than I could <laughs> never thought I would have to be filing, um, you know, but, uh, but that's, you know, what you're seeing now and especially the activity in the state, it's, it's a different world than it was even five years ago, yeah. both on, you know, the, the tactics that are coming at us um, that we think are destabilizing our state to the issues, um, you know, I'd never thought that we'd have to be, you know, some of the things we'd have to be worrying about. I mean, we're, you know, we're looking at this and going, my gosh, you know, they're, they're wanting to ban gas stoves. I mean, it, it's like, what are we talking about here? I have to, we have to, you know, pass legislation so people can use, you know, cook, cook. up a burrito on their, <laughs> on their stove. I mean, what, what is going on here? So it's just, it's just crazy to think on kind of how everything's flying, but, um, but we're proud of what we've been able to do and what we, what we're able to accomplish and, um, you know, and we're, we're ready to go and start tackling a lot of new challenges over the next year. Well, and there will be challenges. Um, I mean, you, you have 
dealt with, uh, there's, you were involved in some ballot initiatives, uh, successful on some, not so much on others. Others just gave a pass because they were so unconstitutional. Um, that's the, the dark money one, uh, you know, apropos for this. What is the latest on that particular issue? Um, well, we're in court. We're suing um, over over Proposition 211. We uh, um, we always believed what they were trying to do under that that measure. It was it was grossly unconstitutional, um, a total infringement on our our First Amendment rights. Frankly, uh, you can even argue our um, you know our, our unreasonable search and seizure rights under what they have done um, it, it, under the, what they're trying to do under that initiative. Um, so you know we opposed it, um, and after the election. Uh, met with other groups that were concerned about it as well, and uh, we partnered with the Goldwater Institute, um, and they are they're providing the the legal muscle on that to be mm-hmm. the you know to to take it to court, and so we're challenging it. And uh, right now it's um, in front of a trial court in in Superior Court, where we have a motion for a preliminary injunction. We're hopeful that we're successful in that, and um, not just because we think we're going to prevail and we want to put this to stop, but the reality is how they drafted this initiative. It's so destructive that. Um, it's it's impacting groups today on how they behave because it's so far reaching, so broad right. that um, I mean it, how it's drafted. Uh, you know, they're they basically have said if you mention candidates' names um, within sixty days of an election, um, you mention a ballot measure, um, uh, you you do something. Uh, for example, you say something negative about a candidate. Forget doing a mailer or a television commercial. You put out a candidate scorecard. Um, that shows, or a, or, a, or a legislative scorecard on how lawmakers are voting. Under the initiative that they put forth, that would count as an expenditure, and you would have to provide a, an accounting line item sheet to the Clean Elections Commission on where all your money is going and being spent. That's insane. Um, and so there's just, it goes on and on. And so um, we're, we're confident we're going to prevail in this lawsuit, uh, but it's going to have to work its way through state court up to the state Supreme Court, likely, eventually. Are there any left-leaning nonprofit groups that are opposing it? Um, currently, we haven't seen anybody on the left file anything in court on our side. Um, it's been interesting to watch this debate related to the ability to freely associate, uh, to be able to support causes and issues without having to go to a government bureau and provide not line item lists of all your donors so they can be harassed by people. Um, but up until a couple of years ago, there were, there were groups on the left that were on our side on this issue. They understood yeah. the dangers of it. They understood the history that what comes around goes around and, 60 years ago, it was a lot of left groups that were being targeted by the government to turn over their, their supporters list, their donors list. Um, but what we have seen is a lot of those groups have either been taken over or they've been, um, you know, I would say pushed into silence yeah. by a lot of the groups on the left um, uh, to you know, take a stand on this. And so some of the groups that were on the left that were co- traditional coalition partners on this issue... Um, from our perspective, seem afraid to even speak up on it now. Yeah. Well, and so speaking of bad ideas, in addition to the, what you're fighting there, uh, there's uh, a movement afoot here in Arizona to go to ranked choice voting. Can you tell us a little bit about what that is and then why it's a shitty idea? <laughs> I thought this is a family-friendly show. Don't mince words, sorry, sorry. Sean. Sorry. Tell us what you I really I get worked think. up sometimes. You know that. Ranked choice voting, um, RCV, that's the acronym that's used for it. Um, 
right now and what's going on, and this is it started out as um, one of these quirky ideas um, thought up at think tanks, you know, 30, 40 years ago. Um, in the last 10 years has caught on with some national groups and national donors um, as an idea to say, hey, we can fix our election system and make it more, uh, make it easier and simpler and um, provide a, a, a way so that people don't feel pigeonholed having to vote for a, a Republican or a Democrat, where instead of voting where you pick the person on the ballot that um, you like best, instead you're going to rank them on your, on your um, ability of the candidates that you see on the ballot. Um, and that's what's being proposed, and they've been pushing it around the country. And uh, um, you've seen a lot of cities adopt this, which at the municipal level it may make um, you know more sense. I don't think it does make sense, but a municipal level where you're talking about you know a, you know a nonpartisan race, and so in some local jurisdictions around the country, you've seen it pop up. But now it's being pushed and adopted as a model statewide to say all candidates will be adopted with this idea of you rank your candidates on the ballot. Um, our perspective, it's a complete disaster, not only um, from the perspective of it, uh, the complexity it adds um, to voting, but also we, we believe it'll end up disenfranchising voters from being able to vote and elect candidates that they want to elect. And, and we've seen this happen in real time. And so, um, and so here in Arizona, we, we've seen where some of these national groups are trying to come in and, and trying to sell the idea of saying, we should move to a ranked choice model in the state and adopt that. And so... Uh, we're currently in the process of trying to educate not only lawmakers but voters on what rank choice votes, rank choice voting really means, and what it will do. And here are some of the things it will do. One, if you're upset about it right now, taking weeks to get election results, <laughs> well, with rank choice voting, you're going to wait months. Yeah. Because how it works, and being able to tabulate and calculate how this works, going through the iterations of people ranking you know, candidates one through five or whatever it is on the ballot, it's going to take months to get our election results. And then you have to hope that the election results are correct. Um, there's instances where they have ranked choice voting in some other jurisdictions, one in California, where they held a vote on ranked choice voting, canvassed it, and then found out later that they got the calculation wrong. And they found out the wrong, calculate, wrong candidate won, and they had to unseat that candidate and seat the rightful person oh because they gosh. couldn't even do it correctly. That's but, but that's just California. That's just I mean, California. Well, we would do it so much better here right, is what they yeah. are. The, the you know, challenge if you go, if you go to their website and Voter Choice Arizona, it's, it's like the who's who of the Democratic Party. Who've well, been it, in trends for yeah. a long time. The, the challenge for us here in Arizona for a primary is – how long it would take to get the results to then, I mean, we'd have to move our primary significantly earlier in order to be done in time to print ballots for the general. I mean, they couldn't do it under the timeline that, that we have now. We don't believe you could. You're absolutely right. I think you would have to completely overhaul not only, not only the timeline, but also how primaries are conducted. Um, you would have to, and again, there's different models for ranked choice voting, but they would likely want to blow up uh, the entire primary system. Um, it'll likely become a, they'll likely like to blend in what's called a jungle primary and put everybody on the ballot all at one time and have people cast their ballots then and then go into the general election. Um, and so they're, they're going to have to go in and, and likely amend the Constitution like in multiple areas to even do what they want to do. And um, here's another thing as well, too, is that Arizona has a history with this idea of 
um, of, of trying to get to a what's called a majority or do a, do a runoff election. Um, we implemented uh, a runoff election about 30 years ago. Um, a voters approved uh, a, a constitutional amendment to allow for runoffs if somebody doesn't get to 50% of the vote. Well, after that was implemented, it went, it went into effect for one election, was hated by voters so much right. that the legislature re-referred a measure to undo that to basically say, you know, uh, whoever gets the vo- most votes wins in an election. That was put back on the ballot and was approved two to one by voters that next election cycle. So it was already tried, this runoff type election. Voters hated it, and voters went in and undid it in the Constitution two right. years later. That's how Symington won the first time. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. And then there was no runoffs after that? No. Because <laughs> no. yeah, that's when it happened. 92 well, was the... This experiment was just recently saw the light of day up in up in Alaska. And and is there any movement? The, the, the reviews were not, were not exactly, you know, sterling. And I'm, I'm wondering, is, is there any movement up in Alaska to, to rescind this at this point? No, and the, the watching what happened in Alaska was was and it was pushed by Lisa Murkowski, who yes. ended up winning through this through this scheme of, uh, and she knew that that if she could push ranked choice voting, that that this could be the, the outcome. Yes, and that's and that's what you see with ranked choice voting. You cut this back, and you start realizing what's going on. And what you have is actually a small group of people, um, however well financed and influential exactly. people that want to, from our perspective, rig the system so that their candidates can win or keep existing people that they want to keep there. And that's exactly what happened in Alaska. Um, You had a situation where Lisa Murkowski was worried um, about her next election and wanted to change the system to make it easier for her to potentially win. And so she teamed up with a bunch of groups on the left to push ranked choice voting in Alaska. It ended up passing just barely. It was 50.1%. So a slim majority of voters approved it in Alaska um, for this last election. Again, they went through that process. There are voters now that are so frustrated that there is an organized effort to, again, put it back in front of voters in two years to repeal it. And we expect actually to be on the ballot in two years. um, And we think there's a high likelihood it will be repealed in Alaska. Imagine that. And that's the thing, too, is, again, it's... Voters don't like it. They're sold a bill of goods, it seems to me. Yeah, that oh, this will fix all the ills that uh, all your frustrations with with the system as it is, and just creates more complexity and more frustration. Yes, and there's a long history um, nationally of that, but even a long history here in Arizona where there's there's these groups that form together that go, oh, we don't like how the current system is run for whatever it is. Some of it is we don't like partisanship. Some of it is is we want more moderation. Whatever the reason is. Um, and they push these measures onto the ballot to say, this is going to fix our system and it will make it better, whether it be campaign finance and limiting contributions, whether it be this Prop 211 that was just done, um, whether it be clean elections, we're going to use public finance money, and we do that. It'll, it, and every time they do this, um, it, it either doesn't accomplish what they want to accomplish or it makes things worse or it creates new problems that they didn't anticipate. Um, and that's what you see with ranked choice voting. Uh, it, it, and even in other jurisdictions, what you're describing, it's been, it's been rolled back in, in various cities, some of them very heavily Democrat cities, because it goes into effect and they realize, wow, this is really complicated. Voters don't <laughs> like this. It's confusing. Well, by the way, it disenfranchises voters um, because it creates not only do people get confused and don't know how to fill out their ballot correctly so their votes get discarded, but also results in what's called ballot exhaustion. 
Um, and it's a and it's a phenomenon um, exclusively to rank choice voting. Which what happens is is as they start calculating as people are ranking their their candidates, that as they disqualify the the low end candidates and they finally get to the person that won that wins the race, that person that ends up winning, it's end up it ends up being only a mi- a small minority of the voters that voted in that race that selected that candidate because yeah. all the other ballots get exhausted. Or, and, and get eliminated. And so, Chris, if you don't pick the right people to rank, your vote gets discarded, and a small minority get in picking the final person that wins. Yeah. Um, we don't believe a, a system that creates an environment where a small minority is selecting the candidate is a good election system. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, you talk about elitist. It's kind of the definition of it, mm-hmm. right? Um, and, and to your point, Chris, it's it's... It is an interesting mix of people who are part of this because uh, you have people like Heather Carter and Roberta Voss, who are former Republican legislators. Sure. But then you got Sam Coppersmith and uh, well, you have, Art Babbitt. Remember him from Flagstaff? Well, and um, you have, you have uh, Bo Lane, who ran for Secretary of State. He's supporting this as well. You have uh, Bert Lopez, a uh, businessman in Tucson, who— both Democrat and Republican at, you know, whatever, at different times we're supporting this. It's kind of a who's who of the uh, Tucson Democratic establishment who's really behind this, which is interesting. So it's more of a Tucson-based? I don't think it's more of a Tucson-based, but when you look at who's, a lot of the- who's supporting this next go-around and who's really behind it, I mean, I looked at the list and I, was, I, was, I wasn't really surprised, but it was a, a lot of people from my hometown. A lot of the juice is from from Tucson. Um, the other the other key constituency is going to be um, outside groups, some national groups that want to come in and help fund it. Um, it yeah, it, what you'll see is it'll be an eclectic group, usually um, people on the far left, and then what I'll call the the disgruntled, angry birds of the Republican Party or ex Republican Party that's upset that their candidates aren't getting selected um, to be nominees. Which well, and, it's, uh, and, I, and I believe. These are the same people who want to, who are advocating for open primaries as well. Yeah, is the, that fair? Fair assessment. That's, I would think it's a fair assessment. We would contend we already kind of have open primaries. Yeah. An independent can vote yeah, in any vote election they want, and um, you know. <laughs> but a Democrat can't vote in a Republican primary, as it yeah. should be. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Exactly. The Democrats should be able to select their nominees. Republicans, Libertarians, even an independent. I mean, you know, people talk about independence and the the. The system that we have, independents actually have um, one built-in advantage. They don't have to go through a primary. If you go out and get your signatures, you automatically can go to the general election ballot as an independent in the state of Arizona. So anybody that believes, oh, we don't have enough choices for a general election, will support an independent, help collect their signatures, get them on the ballot, and they can be on the ballot in the general election and skip yeah. an entire primary. If Cinema decides to run for re-election, we're going to see that case study for oh, front and center. For sure. Because and and she's got plenty of time because the deadline for putting those signatures up is probably July, right? It's the same time as the ballot initiative signatures. Yes, and so circling back I, from from our perspective, a lot of that any of the kind of those disgruntled individuals that are mad Republicans or ex Republicans, um, they're upset that they're not getting their nominees. Our response to that is is. You know, do a better job. Sell your ideas. You have to go and sell your ideas. Not every candidate that that we like as an organization wins. You know, wins in the primary. A lot of the candidates we end up losing, it, and that's how it works. It's that there's a there's an arena to sell your ideas, and um, the solution isn't 
the solution isn't completely you know, overhauling and ruining our election process because you're upset in one cycle that you didn't get the people that you liked in the primary. Right. There's been plenty of primaries where all the candidates we didn't like. But guess what? We need to do a better job of selling our ideas and convincing and, over, and winning people over to you know, the next time around. That should be the approach. Well, this is – and this – type of issue, this ranked choice voting or or the jungle primary. I mean, this this is the response to just what you said, not being able to win with ideas. So yeah. they have to try to f- change the process and win through process rather than through ideas. And that's just, that's not the way this constitutional republic works. Yeah. And rigging a process, if you think that's going to be the solution to the ills, if you want to see peop- voter sentiment be more frustrated oh, and stifled, wow. set up a process that makes it feel like it's rigged against them. Yeah. yeah. And there's where, where the minority is, you know, where, where candidates are being elected with minority votes, basically. Yeah. yeah. I mean, a lot of this, it seems to me, and I've heard this through different channels, is, is a reaction to this idea that, oh, the MAGA Republicans are, are, are running the table with the elections. But when... What we saw in this last election, when they get to the general, that's not necessarily the case. We had some pretty balanced results here in the in the state of Arizona. You had Republicans like uh, Tom Horn and Kimberly Yee win. And you had Democrats like our our governor also win by only seventeen thousand votes. So I mean, be, because of mistakes or or the, the inability to sell their ideas down the stretch, you have to go and sell your ideas and can yeah. win vote voters over and. And that goes from cycle to cycle, and and it, it cuts both ways. And uh, the, the idea that again changing the process because you don't like one, you don't like the the type of candidates. It, we went through a little bit of this about twelve years ago when it came to the Tea Party candidates. People were upset about Tea Party candidates. It, you just have to go out and if you don't, if you think that their ideas are not good, then you have to go and talk to the voters and try to change their mind. And that's the dirty secret. Is they don't like those people very much. <laughs> they, don't, <laughs> they don't like voters. They, they don't, don't like, like the them. people. And there's a little bit of contempt towards you know those that individuals. That is a great point. Thank yeah. you for making that point because if that's, that's by, really. Can we just go buy television commercials and just buy yeah. our way out of this problem? <laughs> we do, I mean, that's yeah. a, it's a it's a very it's a very arrogant attitude. We don't want to go and really talk to the people and be with the people and understand what their ideas are, or we don't want to go talk to those who might, you know, independents who might not agree with us on everything to, to, to win them over to what our ideas are. We're just going to stay in our little bubble and, and hope for the best. The, the irony of it is, is that the same people that are behind ranked choice voting complaining that each side has a bubble, that an echo chamber that they operate in, they themselves are operating in their own echo chamber. And are even more insular and less interested in going out and talking to people or talking to groups um, than the other, two, the other two elements that are out there. Yeah. Well, it's been interesting to see uh, that. So, will they do a ballot? Is their plan to put something on the ballot? From we, from what we can gather, they have to uh, go to the ballot because any any movement related to ranked choice voting will require a constitutional amendment. Because as I talked about before, uh, the Constitution requires that you know stipulates that the pro, person who gets the most votes wins. Um, so they'll likely have to amend the Constitution. And again, but what you described before, they'll have to probably amend timelines and amend. Um, the entire process, probably eliminate partisan primaries, um, probably establish um, runoff components on what they're going to do. They'll have to do a complete overhaul of our of our constitution to make this work. Jeez. It's going to create a big, big mess. Yeah. Well, and it's it's 
part of what I would view, I, I mean, you've got groups like No Labels, you've got what they call fair vote. That's the national kind of umbrella of the ranked choice voting folks. Um, it, it, I feel like this has been kind of out there on the periphery for a few years. It started when they were trying to get open primaries, uh, which the counter on that was uh, they put something on the ballot and then the legislature, legislature referred uh, the ability for independents to pick a be- pick which primary they voted in, right? Is that it went from we went from closed primaries to partially open by allowing independents to but um, and, and I feel like this is the same crowd that is big on the no dark money mm-hmm. you know type. They want huge restrictions on campaign finance issues. Um, so if you view it from the prism of freedom versus not freedom. They're definitely on the not freedom side because they want to take away choices. They want to take away freedoms. They want to, they want to restrict the first amendment. I mean, to me, it is the opposite of what the left would claim is, Oh, this is an assault on democracy. This is an assault on democracy. I would, I would absolutely agree with that. And I think this is a a dynamic of, even when you talk about free, not free, I think this is also a dynamic of, a group of people that believe that they they know how to run things better than everybody else. So I don't know what the best word to describe that is. I usually call that the ruling elite. Yeah, that's what I think they are. Um, they think they know how to do things better, and that, that we'd be better off in a system where a small group of people can just decide what's going on. And if we have to change the process to ensure and perpetuate that system, um, if we can have unelected bureaucrats uh, provide a, an assist to us, that's the system that is that is preferential for the for for um, the citizens here in Arizona rather than one that's you actually have to go sell ideas to people. Yeah. Well, I don't know. This is not good. And I, we appreciate that you're leading the charge of educating people about why this is a bad idea. Yeah. The, so. the first step will be education because most people don't even know what this is and never even heard of it. Um, and that's why the other side now is out there. They're running, uh, trying to run camp, many campaigns around the state to try to, get people on board, educate them on their side and what they, why they think it's a good idea. And it's interesting to watch because the first thing they lead with is, this is really simple, <laughs> which yeah. tells me that they have did ample amount of probably polling and focus grouping and have discovered the biggest weakness they have is that this is anything this is but simple. simple. Yeah. So when the first thing they talk about is how simple it is, it means it's the exact opposite. It's very complicated yeah. and confusing, which is what it is. Well, it seems like you have two groups, one, you know, advocating open primaries when advocating ranked choice of women, but they will, they, they will combine at some point. Um, I think so. You know, the, 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 there's a group called save democracy and that's the group I was thinking of with, with regard to the who's who of the Tucson democratic mm-hmm. party, people like Sarah Smallhouse and Cy Shore and, oh my goodness. And, uh, Don Budinger and, uh, Patrick Deconcini. And I'm just reading down the list You know, Fred, our friend, Fred Duvall. And these are all great, good people. I mean, they're good natured people, but, uh, this is a, a misguided idea. Yeah. And one other thing too, is, is that if you look at where it's getting pushed as well, if you notice they don't push this in heavily blue States, right? You never see this no. idea. <laughs> if, if like in California, this idea was talked about, well, guess what? Guess who opposes it? Gavin Newsom. Yeah. 
He like leads the charge in opposing this. The Democrat Party in California is opposed to this. Heck no to ranked choice voting. Do you think these groups are trying to go into California and take it there? No. No. They want to go into red. They want to go into red states or purplish states and implement this because they think it's better if they can, from their perspective, they can neuter Arizona, pick off a few other red states, and they can develop the dynamic they want, which is a you know congressional and Senate majorities that are governed by hard blue Democrats and neutered purple and red states. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, Sean, your buddy Chuck Coughlin's involved in this. Uh, why am I not surprised? <laughs> why am I not surprised? But there's guys like Mike Hammond and, and Evan Marquez. And I mean, these are people I've known for years and years. And again, they're, they're good people. They're good natured people. I think this is, they've been sold a bill of goods. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and yeah. Or maybe not. Gonna, maybe I, we'll, they're we'll going to be passionate to, about it. And but, maybe we should have some of these guys on. Yeah. Why not? Let them tell their piece and we can explain and we can push back now that we've got Scott arming us with good information. (laughs) Well, interestingly enough, I have Scott speaking to a group here in the next month where it will be a point counterpoint. Oh, sweet. um, On this on this very issue. Maybe we should record that. Nah, can't record. Oh, you can't record it. But uh, but they were just going to have the other side on. And I won't say what group it is, but they were just going to have the other side on. I rose my hand. I said, nope. Nope, you need to you need to have both sides. Good, because uh, then then our members are not well served. Well, and and Scott, I, as we wrap this up, I just wanted to thank you for seeming to always be at the front end of the defense of freedom, and the amount of work that you have to put into this. Uh, you've you've always, I mean, it's it's good to have smart people like Scott. Scott is very similar to. Uh, Phil Kirpin. We've had mm. him on, you know, from American Commitment, yeah. who's just the smartest person in D.C. And Scott's the smartest person in Phoenix, uh, in Arizona, on policy stuff that is just, like, critical. Um, and and can explain it in a way that people are like, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Because how, some of this policy stuff can be very complicated. How long has your organization been around? The, the Free Enterprise Club was formed back in 2005. Um, I, I've been running it now for 10 years. I took it over yeah. in 2013. Uh, so it's been um, interesting as, you know, kind of watching the dynamics of the state change, but also how we have an organization had to respond to that. And so the last several years, we've been growing pretty rapidly, as I talked about before, and, um, you know, diving in not only into different issues that I never imagined that we would have to go diving into, but um, also dealing with other other challenges that didn't exist, and uh, you know stuff like you know going out and seeing how the on an issue like ranked choice voting, where um, national money just pours in, and they're organizing these local groups, and um, you know somebody has to go out there and be able to tell the other side of the story, and yeah. so that's what we're doing. We're, and it isn't just our organization; we're going to partner with other groups too here in the state, local groups, not these bought and paid for national outfits that you see from the left. That we're going to go out there and we're going to be able to provide alternative information. Go out there and can you know you know challenge these groups when they're holding events. You know, like the one you're talking about that you're having, Chris. There's other ones like that as well too out there that are only hearing one side of the story and they they need to hear that there's other facts associated with some of this stuff. Yeah. Well, thanks for what you're doing. Scott. Yeah. Thanks so much it. for what you're doing. It's, and it, I'm sure that we'll have you it's, back. It's been so great to see the growth of this yeah, organization yeah. too because well, I know some of the founders and and uh, it. Until Scott came around, it was just kind of you know treading water. Now it's just taking well, off. Well, it's yeah, it's on uh, it's on steroids now. Yeah, so good for sure. No, thank you, thank you and, for having and me. We, on. we won't wait a year again <laughs> before we have you back. So, uh, 
Well, thanks en- again. En- enjoy your time down at the legislature in the meantime, challenging everything that Katie Hobbs comes up with. I, yeah. I don't know about enjoyment. Um, <laughs> well, we'll, what we'll do is we'll do a, we'll, we'll bring you back after the session is over and we can have you recap all of the, the fun stuff you've had to deal with down there. It's no. too early to go into that now, but no, we'd love so. to do that. And uh, we'll see if we ever get to a budget. Well, we'll see. Might be <laughs> July. <laughs> Might be July. That's what you guys love to do your daily government shutdown watch. <laughs> right. <Yeah>. Here <laughs> we are, day twenty-five. Yeah. Good. Well, thanks again, Scott, for being yeah. here. Well, thanks. Thanks, thanks right. for listening. God thanks, bless. Everybody.